so much uh, just for this time we have before you today. Uh, we want to thank you, Lord God, because uh, there's nothing as precious of, as having you uh, in our midst. And Lord God, uh, Lord God, we don't have to run around in circles, Lord God, uh, to shout craziness, Lord God, to uh, know that you are here. Because many times, Lord God, you uh, are present, Lord God, in the stillness, in the quietness of your presence. With that understanding, Lord God, we worship you. And we welcome your word to do its work in our hearts this afternoon. Are you blessed? Allow your word to be blessed and be moved and to be active in our life today. We surrender ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are a few things in life which calms us emotionally, like sitting at the beach, going fishing, sitting on a porch on a rainy day, or even even watching a fire burn in a fireplace on a nice, cool fall day. Other things also relax us, like knowing that your bills are paid. Amen? Uh, and not just that month-to-month -month stuff that we know that happens all the time that will be with you to the end of age, you know? Like when you finally get that car paid off, or you finally uh, get that home paid off. There's nothing that relaxes you like that. But what are, are the things that calm you? You're driving down the expressway and you get a flat tire out of nowhere. Or suddenly... Uh, the person that you love most dearly, all of a sudden they have taken ill. Seemingly out of nowhere. Fear and anxiety are, are not just limited to our negative experience, however, but also include the simple things in life like change. You know, sometimes in our life, uh, just to change from uh, in, in a student's life, from school to school is big. Or even if you have to change from job to job, is big. And it can create anxiety in our life. There's so many things that can cause us to become emotional wrecks. In an instance, uh, finally, uh, even when we've finally managed uh, to finally get things under control, then boom! Well, I'm not sure what you're going through today. I'm not sure what change is around the corner for you. But we're going to continue our walk through Psalm 23 that I know it will provide a both spiritual and emotional support and grounding from an eternal source. Psalm 23, 
verse 4. And here we learn that we trust in the Lord our shepherd. Why? Because he is present. We trust in the Lord because he is present. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, no darkness is too frightening when the Lord is near. No darkness is too frightening when the Lord is near. Years ago, as a child, I remember some of my friends used to be really, really tough. And I noticed the only reason that they were really tough was when their big brothers were around. You see, when your big brother is around, you can talk all kind of smack to your friend. Because you know that even if it seems that you're going to get into slightest bit of trouble, that you know that your big brother is going to intercede on your behalf. So no darkness is too frightening when the Lord is nearby. Because you know this, that when you're going through whatever you're going through, you know because God is near that you're going to be all right. Well, recall how David, King David, he started this psalm by declaring, you remember that, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Uh, which indicated a personal connection between him and the Lord. With this personal connection to the Lord as shepherd, uh, we saw him, that is God, caring for David. Uh, this mighty warrior as one would care for a delicate child uh, who needs direction, nurturing, and provisions of their parents. Mighty King David needed God. And this is why we, like David, can say that the Lord ensures we have no need and leads us into a place of comfort and also calmness. And this is true because we know our greatest need of the Lord. But wait a minute, I hear somebody say, well, right now, that's my, not my greatest need. My greatest need is for water. My greatest need is for food. My greatest need is for shelter over my head. But I'm here to tell you that one day, all oh, that's going to pass away. It's going to be gone in an instant. You're, you're not going to need it. You're, in fact, you're not going to even want it. The only thing that you're going to want one day solely beyond food, beyond water, beyond shelter, beyond clothes is going to be God. So God is our greatest need. But remember how in Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase of the Bible, how he says that when we walk into this place of stillness and calmness, he says that the Lord gives us an opportunity to catch our breath. Going back very quickly in verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 23. We see David, he explains the goodness of God. David, he explains the goodness of God. You know, he, he speaks in language like he's telling someone else about God. Well, what are you talking about? Uh, well, he, he, he spoke in the third person. What do you mean? Well, he says it's verse 2. Speaking of God, he says, he makes me lie down. See that? 
He leads me beside still waters. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. You see that he, again, it's like David is explaining the provisions of God to someone else. But then we turn to verse 4, and there is a switch from the third person to the second person. Look in the middle of verse 4. He says, for you are with me. You see that? Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You see, it's uh, not a normal thing for a writer, unless you're writing a letter to someone else, uh, for, uh, from their perspective, for them to say you. Because it's like they're talking about you. But in this case, the you he's talking about is God. It is Yahweh. But we remember that this is a psalm. It is a song in which the writer uh, of these words or these lyrics are speaking uh, of another, and that other is the Lord our God. And so David had been speaking of the wonderful things of the Lord, uh, what he has done for him, and how he has cared for him. But then he reaches uh, deeper inside of his soul uh, to realize that God has done even greater things for him. Now, I don't know about you, right? But let me tell you about me sometimes. Uh, that, that sometimes when I'm, I'm reading scripture and I begin to uh, reflect on what God has done for me, all of a sudden I break out in praise. All of a sudden I begin to say, oh Lord, you're good. Oh Lord, you have been faithful. Uh, but, but prior to that time, I'm, just, I'm studying the word of God, uh, trying to see how God wants to speak to me. And then somehow, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, uh, it seemed like God, he just grabs my bootstraps and he pulls them up. And then I turn this, this study into a time of worship. And I said, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. So I believe this is exactly what happened with David. That as he began to reflect on, he leads me beside still waters. Oh, he restores my soul. That in the midst of that, he says, you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. See, this is what happens when we begin to deeply consider the things of God uh, uh, that we, uh, we just break out, we have an outbreak of worship. Hallelujah. A, a good outbreak of worship. Hallelujah. So now David addresses the Lord not in, descriptive, uh, in a descriptive mode, but in a direct address as he says, you. Beginning at verse 4 now. David says that uh, uh, he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. This is what David says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We could on the one hand think of a shadow as something being positive. Especially if you are me. And especially if you are me uh, on a uh, nice hot summer day. That one of the things that I seek out on a nice summer day are shadows or shades. 
Because I want that shade to protect me from the heat of that sun, which seems to zap my energy, uh, causing dehydration and all that other stuff. But in Isaiah 25, verse 4, that the Lord also becomes a shade or shadow to his people. Isaiah 25, verse 4. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, he says. A stronghold to the needy in his distress. A shelter from the storm and the shade from the heat. Uh, so you see, uh, the prophet says that uh, a shade or this shadow can be something positive. However, now, when we compare that with Psalm 23, uh, uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, according to some major scholars, uh, this right here is some of the language, uh, the, the strongest words that you could use for the language in Hebrew for the word darkness. It has been called deep darkness, thick gloom, thick darkness, or very deep shadow. In other words, it's like the word of God telling us, how low are you? How far in deep darkness do you find yourself today? Very interesting thing about valleys, however, is that valleys are predictable. That when you look at geography throughout the earth, you know that here's a mountain, here's a plain, uh, here's a lake, here's a river, uh, here is an ocean, here is a sea, right? Uh, and here is a valley. You know that a valley is there. But you see, in our life, we fail to be discerning and we don't understand that one day that those valleys of the shadow uh, of death, that eventually these things will come upon us. In fact, in a desert valley, you could be shaped, it could be faced with deep shadows. If you're in a desert, in a valley, knowing that there could be wild animals ready to take your life, it could be wildfires or even flash floods all over the place. Then if you are sheep, sheep from time to time will be confronted with situations that are gloomy, uncertain and larger than life. <laughs> Remember that sheep are practically defenseless against most of its predators. That means that the vast majority of cases when the sheep are in trouble, if you have to wonder, I wonder if the sheep are going to win this time. Uh, more than likely you can say, nope. Now you look at the next time, I wonder if the sheep is going to beat up the wolf this time. Uh, you can say, nope. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, the, in this imagery uh, that, that uh, Jesus says that one day I'm going to separate uh, the, the, the goats from the sheep uh, because sometimes on the one hand, they kind of look the same from a distance on the one hand. On the other hand, uh, goats can actually beat up the sheep. So Jesus says one day he's going to separate the two. And one's going to go into punishment and one's going to go into eternal life. So uh, we see here uh, that uh, from time to time, sheep are confronted with situations that are dark and they are uncertain. But even after all of this talk about the possibilities of the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist makes a bold and a very declarative statement. 
saying that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He says, what? I will fear, what? Come on now. Uh, David says that even though I'm walking, I'm still bad. I mean, but he's not saying he's bad within himself. He says he's bad because he got his big brother, his big God walking with him, that Jesus is ever present with him, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So I'm here to tell you today, my brothers and sisters, Whatever you're walking through today, whatever you need to walk through next week, whatever that shadow of death that you have to walk through, know that God is with you and you have no reason to fear. But you know how it is, you know, most of us when we are in a very uh, difficult circumstance that uh, one of the things that we like to do, uh, we like to say in our prayers uh, when we begin, and I've explained this before several times before, oh God, dear God who is in heaven, who created the heavens and the earth, and the earth is yours and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You who in the beginning created everything out of nothing, Lord God, it is to you I make my praise, it is to you I give my request. Is that the way you pray to God when you need help? Yeah, uh, most people I know, they're kind of like Peter, who uh, Jesus told to step out of the boat. Uh, Peter steps out of the boat, he realizes that he's walking on water, he begins to sink. Uh, he didn't begin with this long diatribe or this long worship on, on the goodness of God, did he? Or did he say, oh God, your mercy endures forever? Did he say that? He said, look here, help. I'm sinking. And when we get scared and when we get in those dark valleys, that's all that we have. And I want you to know, when you get there, just say, Lord, help me. Lord, pull me up out of this mess I found myself in because I know if you don't pull me up, I ain't getting up. It's not like... Uh, 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 the famous football player you're watching some uh, reality show uh, you, you may have seen it in which uh, they take uh, celebrities and they put them in the wilderness uh, with this wilderness guy and they have to make it out right so this one time they had this very this once famous football player in this reality situation and so he was faced with this one thing that was going on and this great uh, uh, built football player who was bad to the bone uh, when he was presented with this one scenario. You know what he did? Uh, did he say, I, I, I'm bad? You know what he said? This guy, he ran, number one, he ran. And then number two, he said, Mama! <laughs> this grown man who's used to facing down all these football players and running at them head on, what did he do when he was in trouble, when he was scared? He yelled, Mama! <laughs> uh, like his mama's going to swoop down in that situation and help him. Uh, even if his mama could have heard him to go and actually help him, she probably would have said, Fool, you better go ahead and keep running. <laughs> You see, when we're faced with this situation, we can make the de declarative statement very boldly as David did. He says that I will fear no evil. I ain't got nothing to be afraid of. 
And again, it's very interesting that we know that the valley, the shadow of death, that it does exist, that it is present. I remember uh, as a child how my parents, particularly my father, how he was concerned about his parents down south. And as uh, my grandparents, as they begin to age, I remember some of the conversations between my mother and my father about my grandparents and you know things that were going on. And uh, when we go down there, I remember my grandparents talk about their aches and pains. And then now I remember, uh, I know my father and I remember my mother, of course, going through their aches and pains in life as well. And then, lo and behold, I hit 25 years old this past week. <laughs> amen. Just say, don't lie, just say amen. <laughs> amen. If you don't agree, just pray for me, all right? And I uh, remember how when I reached a certain threshold, and all of a sudden I started getting a little, little achy. And then one day, uh, the same is going to happen to my kids. And then one day, same thing is going to happen to their kids. You see, the valley of the shadow of death, it exists. You can't ignore it. All you can do is get ready and to be with God to know that he's going to be with you. That deep valley for you may be the edge that you feel like you're right up against right now. I'm not sure how many of you are afraid of heights. I'm not afraid of heights except when they take me up high. <laughs> but if you've ever visited a place like the Grand Canyon, again, one of the things that's really awesome is when you uh, come out of the midst of the trees and it just opens up and you see all this stuff, it takes your breath away. But... One of the most awesome and awesomeness and most fearful things that there can be is that when you uh, move yourself away from the fence area and you walk right up to the edge, you know that in this vast expanse of space that if a strong wind were to come and cause you to tumble, that it ain't nothing saving you, that it's done. And life has a tendency of pushing us up against the edge. And you know, just, just one more thing. One more thing will cause me just to go over. But if you are sheep, you have no fear because your shepherd is with you. One of the greatest things about the Psalms is their ability to speak directly into our situation because they are written from a perspective of people who have gone through difficulty and who had to trust in God. David could speak of this, recall, because he had fought for the sheep. He had fought the bear. Remember the scripture? That he had fought the lion for the sheep. 
And this is what God is saying. He's saying, I'm with you, that I'm going to fight off all the bears. I'm going to fight off all the lions, all those who try to come against you, because I am your shepherd. I am going to defend you. Now listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And not what he says, what's written about Jesus here in this narrative. Matthew 9, verse 36. Jesus looked at the crowd and it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, God looks down at you and if you are not saved, he looks at you with compassion. If you don't know Jesus Christ, he has compassion for you. Do you hear what I'm saying? And basically what he's saying is that you need to, you need to know me so you will have a shepherd over your life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have a shepherd. If you don't have a shepherd, you're nothing but a sheep. If you're nothing but a sheep, then you're out there ready to be attacked by any old thing that wants to come after you. So, Jesus says he's looking at you that you are all, all helpless. And that's why it makes sense you put it together. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? Right, he, he loved us so much that he gave his son even in the midst when we were sinners. So he looks at us with compassion. The Lord, he takes care of dangers both within and without. As God's children, the psalmist tells us we have no reason to fear because he is with us and his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Scripture never says that the attacks never happen. Scripture never says that just because the Lord is going to be with you that you will never be attacked. In fact, the converse is absolutely true. When the devil knows that the Lord is with you, he's going to throw everything at you every which way to try to get you off balance and to throw you down and to destroy your life. You know what I'm saying? So when you make a stand in any old kind of way, whether you're saying it truthfully or even if you're fooling around, know that, that, that the devil, he wants to destroy your life. But the scripture says that uh, the rod and the staff of the shepherd are with him, so therefore he says he has no reason to be afraid. Well, what does all this mean? It simply means this, uh, uh, that the sheep don't actually see, in this case, uh, the shepherd actually taking the rod and beating the head of the adversary, or even taking the, uh, uh, the staff and pulling the sheep back into correction. He's simply saying that just because the shepherd has these tools at his expose, to his, uh, for his use, he's saying that I feel good. So knowing that God is there, that he's ready, and he's prepared to defend you should cause us to be emotionally stable. Again, on the one hand, he uses the one tool, the rod, uh, to take back so when the wolves or whatever kind of animals come, uh, come near, he can take that thing and bash them on the head. But then he has that long staff, right, for those sheep who decide that, you know, there's something new and shiny on the other side. Let me go take a look at that. So he takes his staff and he grabs that sheep around the neck and he pulls them back in. 
That's why the hymn, Come Thy Fount of Every Blessing, it says in the third stanza, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. See, this is a picture of that sheep uh, that wants to always look. Oh, there's something shiny over there. Let me go take a look. And God grabs his, his staff. He hooks it around our neck. Says, no, come on back, little sheepy now. And we say, okay, whatever sheep say, right? <laughs> okay, okay, Jesus shepherd, okay. I just saw something shiny over there. He just tugs us again. Just come on now. So with the dangers within and the dangers without, the rod and the staff brings us comfort. So we trust in the Lord because he is present or always close to us. Let's look to another reason to trust in the Lord. Verse 5, Psalm 23. We trust in the Lord our shepherd because he satisfies. He satisfies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Lord satisfies our need to be cared for. Now, uh, we, we've noticed uh, this far, he kind of talked about sheep, uh, almost like from verse 1 all the way through verse uh, verse 4. Uh, uh, but now when he moves to verse 5, the imagery now changes because he's not talking about sheep. Now he's talking about people, right? Because it talks, it says, you prepare a table. Well, what does that mean? Well, many folks say that, you know, the idea of table just happened to be that place where sheep happened to lay down in the, in the midst of the pasture, that that was called a table. But I want you to know that I looked in the Hebrew, and I looked at it very carefully, and I, and I parsed it as best as I can, and I researched it as best as I can, and then in the Hebrew, I want you to know, when I looked up the word table, that at the end of the day, it means table. Yes, it does. It is a regular old, plain old, everyday, ordinary table that you put cups and saucers and plates and knives and forks and napkins and everything on to eat your dinner. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil. I'm not sure how many sheep had their heads anointed with oil. Some say, well, that was used for, uh, for the head of the sheep or the cattle so they can slip in and out. But that's just, you know, that's not, you, you, you can't substantiate that biblically. And then my cup overflows again. How many sheep have you seen drinking out of cup? <laughs> Last time I recall, I don't remember any. So all these, uh, you have the table, you have the anointing of the head with oil, and then you have the cup. Uh, now God speaks directly to the very need of the individual uh, place to be satisfied. And what he's saying is that uh, you are now going to be in a place that even when your enemy attack, attacks you, that you're going to be so cool, you're going to be so confident, you're going to be so secure that you're going to be able to have a, a, a meal with me. Mm, mm, mm. But look at this, Luke chapter 7, verse 44 through 46. Luke 7, 44 through 46. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, this is concerning the anointing of the head. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she, was, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, uh, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. Verse 46, you did anoint my head with oil, but she, uh, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. 
In other words, the idea of anointing, of washing, and so on and so forth, this deals with someone who's coming into your house. So what the scripture is telling us, here, you anoint my head with oil, preparing a table for us, my cup overflowing, is saying that even though God has redeemed you through the blood of the Lamb, that you yourself continue to be looked at as a guest of God because he loves you so much. And also that cup that overflows. Boy, we see this symbolism there for someone who has poured a drink so much so uh, that uh, the, the, the drink is poured, then it begins to overflow. You have so much that God has provided for you. So we trust in the Lord because he is present. We trust in the Lord because he's satisfied. One more reason to trust in the Lord. Because he pursues. We trust in the Lord our God, our shepherd, because he pursues. Verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the Lord wants to impart favor upon your life. The scripture says that uh, the goodness and mercy following you, that this right here was the Lord's practice and how he prepares a table. This was his customary practice for the individual. The mercy that David speaks of the goodness and mercy. This is that loving kindness, that chesed that is written throughout the Psalms. Uh, Psalm, again, it, it is sometimes translated as mercy, but typically throughout the ESV in which we read is actually translated as steadfast love. So it's like someone uh, putting a tag on our back, which is, has, has a reality of goodness, a tag on our back, which is a reality of mercy. So regardless of where we go, that God's goodness and his mercy will pursue Sue us. It is the same type of loving kindness or mercy or chesed that is uh, given by Boaz to Ruth. This is that steadfast love that God speaks of that endures forever for his mercy endures forever. So if the Lord has been good to you and shown you mercy in the past when you weren't deserving of it, then surely you can expect it in the future. Goodness and mercy, it will follow you all the days of your life because of who the Lord is and not because of who you are and how willing he has decided to relate to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind, beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Where are you going to put your trust in? Psalm 20 verse 7 says, finally, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust 
in the name of the Lord our God. What is your chariot? What is your horse? Is it that job? Is it your spouse? We need to trust in the Lord our God. Let's pray.